You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash peerpleasure. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Check it out today. Hey, it's Brock from 36 Crazy Fists, and you're listening to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. This is Dewey. We're glad to have you back another week. This is week 10, and we're really excited to have our guest today, Brock Lindau from 36 Crazy Fists. Now, if you haven't heard of 36 Crazy Fists, they're one of the biggest bands to come out of Alaska. Uh, We grew up somewhat together, but never really knew each other. It was kind of ironic that we both got in the same business, but had never known each other. Um, Brock and I met eventually at the Paris theater in Portland at one of their shows, um, and briefly talked about things, but they were a little older than we were and were already coming into the scene when we were first starting out. So that was kind of an interesting rise, uh, for them watching them as fans in Alaska, uh, and being so close together, but never knowing each other. They lived in Anchorage and we lived in Wasilla. So that's about a 52 mile stretch there. It takes about an hour to get there. So if we went into a show, uh, in Anchorage, we had to find some of the vehicle at that time. Cause we were so young. I mean, not a lot of us drove. Um, so it's few and far between. Um, there's some really cool venues up in Alaska. Uh, one was called gigs. It was a two story venue. We used to play all the time, battle the bands. Uh, at one point we all worked at little Caesars in Palmer and we actually had to be driven there by the district manager in the pizza van and, uh, carry our gear. Uh, we used to practice in a little Caesars. Uh, that was awesome. We used to we used to love talking about that. We used to store our gear up on top of the walk-in freezer because uh, Nick, our drummer, was the was the uh, store manager. So we actually got uh, guns drawn on us by the cops on the way out. Uh, that happened. We were loading out for a show, and they thought we were robbing the place. And uh, so that was a pretty awesome experience as well. Anyway, so Thirty Six Crazy Fists. Um, doing a new record right now. Brock is uh, currently, I believe, in Portland here. Um, When we talked, he was still in Alaska, but came down uh, to put vocals down on the new record. So they've got a new record coming out on Spine Farm next year. Um, Their current album out right now is Time and Trauma. We talk a lot about that record. Talk about uh, Marrow, uh, one of the really popular songs off that record that was really big departure for them uh, musically and uh, really took a step forward, and it's really cool. I'm going to try to play that song at the end of this episode um, for all you guys to hear. So another thing I wanted to talk about right quick, uh, my buddy Matt Carter and I were talking a few weeks back uh, when I first started the podcast, and something just really came to light 
that was really cool with what he said. And we were talking about numbers, downloads, and and uh, who's listening to the show, um, and just how unimportant that is to think about uh, on a regular basis. I mean, you guys listening to the show is definitely important, but as a podcaster, the way he put it to me was, picture you have you know, a thousand people that listen to your podcast and you're trying to get, you know, tens of thousands, millions of people listen to your podcast. But he said, just think about this. He said, walk out your back door and look out there and you see a thousand people just standing there saying, Hey, Dewey, talk to us, man. How cool would that be? When you think about it literally like that, even 10 people, two people that want to hear you talk, want to hear who you're talking to, want to hear what you have to say. I mean, there's nothing cooler than that. And uh, I'm really appreciating all the downloads. I mean, the show is doing great. Tons of downloads, tons of comments, really great feedback, specific feedback, um, specific questions that you want answered from a guest that didn't get answered that maybe I can answer for you are getting asked. And that means people are really listening. And that is just one of the coolest things. And I wanted to put that out there that I really appreciate each and every one of you that are listening to this show. It's really a labor of love, and and I'm really, really pleased with how it's doing. Um, and I'm doing my best to bring you the best guests I can, uh, people I really like and admire, people, some people I don't even know. But for starting out, I'm really starting to go through people that I know and uh, you know want to reconnect with and have you guys listen in. So keep listening, keep downloading, keep subscribing, keep telling your friends. I've seen a lot of comments coming through of people tagging people on Facebook that should listen to this show. And that's really cool. And I, I really appreciate that. Uh, we are at peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram. We are also on Jabberjaw Media. You can listen to us on there, jabberjawmedia.com. There's some great other shows on our network. And it's a, a real family atmosphere. We're really enjoying being on there. So, And also, as usual, if you want to, you can email me at peerpleasurepod at gmail.com questions, concerns, anything like that. Love to hear from you guys and love the feedback. So keep on listening. So without further ado, let's get into it with Brock Lindau from 36 Crazy Fists. Welcome, everybody, to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. This is Dewey. I'm joined today by Brock Lindau from 36 Crazy Fists, one of the gnarliest motherfuckers to come out of Alaska, for sure. Uh, one of the best <laughs> voices you've heard, I'm sure. Uh, you'll never forget it once you hear it, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, how you doing, Brock? I'm good, man. Thank you for the uh, the, the nice compliments. Dude, seriously, I, it's it's hilarious with you and I because we're both... Alaskans came up at different times. You were, you were, uh, oh man, you must have been graduating high school when we were starting high school. Always knew of 36 Crazy Fists and never once made it to a show in Alaska. And never, <laughs> I think the only time you and I have met was super brief at the Paris Theater in Portland. And okay. it was random. Like we had, we had moved to Portland to start 
you know, playing music more on a professional level. Touring was easier that way. And we're like, man, 36 is playing the Paris way. We got to go. And we went. It was badass. I think I went up to you at one point and was like, hey, you know, I'm from Alaska, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. Uh, so that was it. And that, and to this point, that's that's still all it was. And, and uh, it was always this awareness of of the band, but never, we were never really part of the Anchorage scene. We were more in the Valley. And, and, right. uh, and then by that point, by the time we were able to do that, you guys were already gone. So um, for those of you who don't know, 36 Crazy Fists. Uh, Brock is the lead singer and, uh, from Alaska, as you heard, but, uh, so what are you guys up to right now? Uh, just wrapping up the writing of our new album. Okay. Uh, actually drum start tracking tomorrow actually in Portland. And, uh, I will be heading down to Portland right around Thanksgiving to, uh, hopefully be the final piece of the puzzle. And, uh, we'll be turning in our new album, hopefully by, the end of the year that's kind of the deadline that we have with uh our label and yeah that's really been it man just uh enjoying the downtime we were out on the last album for damn near a year and a half so it was uh, a pretty long touring cycle for us and um yeah we just got home from south america about three weeks ago so we went back down there uh kind of as a well, it was uh, we had the opportunity to go play some shows again, but it was also kind of a, to break up the, the writing process and have a little team building and uh, just get out and have some a good time um, playing live again because it had been a little bit. So uh, just really, that's it, really. Just uh, living life, you know. Um, I'm a single dad here in Anchorage, so uh, mm-hmm. I have my daughter half the time, and uh, I work radio here as well uh, for 94.7, which is the – another rock station here in town i've done that off and on for many years and then i also have uh, a radio show called the beer show where i interview local brewers and and not just local but uh craft brewery Mm -hmm. folk and uh and it's pretty fun probably not the most fun show to actually listen to but it's a great time to be part of nice (laughs) have you thought about doing a podcast uh you know i have you know obviously you know there's such a a cool popular thing these days. But, um, since I've always worked at radio, I just have always had the radio outlet and I never really ventured further than that. But, um, uh, the beer show is on Podbean, So it's, uh, it is after the fact recorded and put up on there. So I guess for all technical purposes, we sort of have a podcast, but it's, it's on, am and fm stations here in anchorage as well okay is kwell still around up there oh yeah definitely absolutely, okay yep. 94 7 that's the alternative station down here in portland i think right and it kind of was here as well it was the it was the same model called the end which is what it was in portland too i'm mm-hmm. not sure it still is but uh now it's called pure rock 94 7 so it's a mix between current active rock and then really cool like 70s 80s 90s rock as well Nice. Okay. And you, in your show, so are you, uh, just DJing or do you have an actual show on, on, or do you do multiples, I guess? No, I, I used to actually have a, uh, a specialty show called beat it back with Brock and that was on Saturday nights and I could play whatever I wanted. It was a lot of fun, but, uh, it, it was pretty late in the evening. I believe I was on at midnight. So actually Sunday mornings, but so now I do, uh, I do the afternoon drive. So I'm a uh, three to seven here Monday through Friday. Nice. That sounds yeah. fun, dude. I, then you got the voice for it, and you got the the personality. That's gonna be that's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, thanks. Just another way, you know, to utilize my voice and 
hopefully make a couple bucks. You know, it's uh, I wasn't a rocket scientist or anything like that. So, you know, <laughs> rock and roll is where I put all my uh, my eggs in that basket. Yeah, you had a lot more fun, though. Yeah, no, definitely. I've had a, had a real great career, and I've been really grateful for it. Dude, that's awesome. And the the other thing with, with you and I, we went very different uh, paths as far as scene, and, and uh, you guys were a lot. You guys went with Roadrunner and took off. I mean, you guys were doing some huge shit and, uh, and really encompassing that vibe of, of the full-on rock persona on stage and, and the band you're touring with and the... Um, the aesthetic of the band and it was just awesome to watch and and i was wondering from then to now i mean are you guys i know you're working radio but are you guys able to survive on 36 alone or do you guys have to work at this point i mean yeah we we all have side jobs okay. uh we have side jobs that allow us to be on tour for as long as we need to be because it is our main focus and uh, so, you know, that being said, when we're on the road, we can sustain a decent living, but when we're off the road, you know, you got to keep the, the money coming in to pay the bills. And it's, uh, it's not the cash cow that it maybe once was in the eighties and nineties, as everyone yeah. knows. So, uh, the physical sale of, of albums is pretty much non-existent these days. And yeah. so if you're not playing shows and selling t-shirts, you know, uh, you know, it's difficult. So everybody has side gigs and, uh, you know. You know, but like I said, you know, music is still uh, we're we just we're about to have our 22nd anniversary and it's still the main focus of our our lives. And uh, that's a pretty special thing to be able to have been doing it this long and still being able to have it as a main focus, because like I said, some of us have kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at times when you get to be well, I'm 41 now, uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard to keep the dream alive, you know, but uh, <laughs> I think certain ways it. Uh, you, you have to trim the fat here and there. And, and we've always been, uh, you know, a minimal uh, overhead with our band. I mean, we don't have tons of techs. We don't have uh, a bus. You know, we, we actually toured for many years in the RV. And we actually, on the last year's touring cycle, we went back to the van in the States because it's just more reliable, number one. Mm -hmm. And it's way cheaper. And, you know, we don't make, you know, a, a bus. We've never been in a bus in the States ever. So, it's all we know in the States. And we did a lot of touring in the States actually on the last album cycle, which was sort of rare for us because we've, uh, we just had a lot more success outside of our country. So we tried to, you know, focus there and you could actually, you can make a lot, a lot better living over there as well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so we always appreciated our fans outside of the country, but we wanted to try and focus on trying to build more here. And we got some great opportunities. I mean, we had new, we kind of cleaned house on the whole last album as well. I mean, we went over to Spine Farm Universal, mm -hmm. and then we got we got new management, we got new booking agent, so everything was fresh, really. So it felt really good, and in turn, everything that we got last year in the U.S. was just the most uh, the best touring opportunities we'd ever had in the states. So, I mean, we we supported Five Finger Death Punch, uh, in this moment, Killswitch Engage, bands that are well, Killswitch not so much being on the radio, but five finger death punch and in this moment two massive active rock bands yeah and uh we had never really gotten to do those kind of tours before and i really wanted to focus on that and you know uh the five finger death punch tour was really good for us it was awesome actually you know because we have a pretty big um 
association with the military fan base as well. Not like they do, but it was awesome to be around that in the the size that they have. But the In This Moment tour, uh, we love those guys. I mean, shoot, they used to open for us before they were what they are now. Uh-huh. And uh, we were really grateful to get the, the, uh, the nod to come with them. But I really think that uh, 40-year-old-plus grain-bearded <laughs> men screaming at junior high girls with their parents in the front row <laughs> – is not probably the uh, the scene that we should be uh, approaching ever again. So we were grateful for the tour. Love uh-huh. the guys and the guys and gal in in this moment. But that was a, a lesson in what I was maybe a little too eager on wanting to hit that active rock crowd and realizing that there is a certain place we should be and we shouldn't be. And you know, I guess that's the. The beauty of this business, you're always learning, and uh, if you're not, then maybe you don't need to, or you're just not uh, smart enough to figure things out. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing, dude. The <laughs> Oh, yeah, th- that's that's a really weird demographic there, and uh, I mean, you guys have well, spent it's, so it's long. it's killer for them, you know, because oh, I mean, yeah. who, you want young fans, people to be growing up, and still, at this day and age, you want to still be reaching those people that maybe you know, you don't think are relevant to, and that band in this moment, I mean, they're like in in the, they're almost like a Vegas show. You know, they have such a, um, a production on stage and yeah. So I want to make sure I'm, I'm being kind because they're amazing people, but the, the, the crowd that they attract is not interested in, like I said, 40 year old grain bearded men yelling at them. (laughs) (laughs) Man, and so so you guys are on Spine Farm now. the The time of drama came out uh, what was it five years after Collisions? Yep. yep was that your exactly longest stretch between? Years. It was okay. And and then I noticed a lot of time and trauma uh, was a lot different, especially. And I, you've probably talked about this a million times, but that song "Marrow" uh, mm-hmm. seemed like a complete departure. But it went, came across really well, and I was wondering, you know, that that it was just a huge step outside of where you guys were before. And is that yeah. kind of the way you guys are going now, or are you going to kind of pepper things with with songs like that going forward? Um, no, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think that uh, Marrow specifically was interesting because. It's probably the most talked about song on the album, mm-hmm. but we we never played it live, obviously. I mean, not obviously, but we never played it live. And uh, it was, we were supposed to do a video for it and just kind of got shelved after a while. And we never, we never did do a video for it for whatever reasons. I think everybody just kind of, it got off everyone's radar. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and I probably, it was probably a missed opportunity because it is the most asked about, probably most of the fans' favorite song on the album, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, it was the first song written for the album, but the song was written probably three years before the album came out. So it's kind of an interesting thing because, uh, when our original drummer Thomas decided to retire, uh, uh, so we got Kyle, who's our new, our now drummer and our current drummer, and it was the first song that him and Steve Holt, our guitar player, uh, wrote together. So they okay. had sent me that right when they first started jamming together, and I was like, "Oh, this is really cool, yeah." And it just kind of kicked around. So <clears throat> it was actually the last song we recorded, but the first song that was um, 
written and it was wasn't really sure we were going to put it on the album until uh we got with stephanie plate from thera and uh asked her to do a a little duet with me on it and uh we had toured with thera in europe earlier um i guess that was 2011 but mm-hmm. um so just became even better friends with those guys and uh, i don't know if you're familiar with them they're they're alaskan kids as well but um anyway just uh stephanie kind of made it more than what it was when i was just doing it so it was a special thing to have her on it and mm-hmm. uh anyway it's kind of an interesting song so your question yeah, is there going to be stuff like that again on the album um i think so uh there's a couple songs on the new album that have that sort of vibe i think but um you know we're so we're totally into like moody dark bluesy heavy rock you yeah. know and and so I think that, and and to keep it melodic as well. So I think that's still the forefront of the band on this album as well as it mm-hmm. was on the last one. So um, <clears throat> we knew that we didn't want to do anything like collisions on time. So um, not to say that we don't want to do anything like time and trauma on this one, but um, I think it'd probably be closer to this. And, you know, maybe I don't, there's certain songs of this that remind me of, snowcap romance and uh so mm-hmm. i think it's kind of all over the board you know there's heavy songs and they're all heavy in their own right but I, I wouldn't say metal so much i mean i think more of a moody rock song uh would be probably a better description as just because i have somewhat uh tried to get back to singing more than screaming just because um you know that's what makes our band unique i, I don't think screaming and and nothing against screaming. Uh, I just don't think I'm that great of a screamer, to be honest. And I've always kind of had that feeling about it. And and singing is what, what you know, I love Lane Staley and Chris Cornell. And mm-hmm. those are the dudes that I really grew up loving. And uh, not that I can sound like them, but that's the vibe I got that I really tuned into as I got into bands. And um, so it's what makes our band unique. Uh, love us or hate us. You know, people know that my voice is maybe not like, others and i think that's the gift and the curse of the band i mean i've said that before but uh it's the truth you know it's not a i don't think my voice is better than anybody's i'm not saying that but i'm just saying that it does make our band stand out a little bit when there's more singing involved with our music mm-hmm. okay and that i mean that that brings me to another thing is your voice is extremely unique i mean that's one thing i noticed back in i must have been middle school when i first heard uh I think it was uh, Circle the Drain was the first song I heard off one of those demos. And oh, and yeah. uh, I was like, what the hell? That's <laughs> so weird. And then I yeah. listened to it again. And I was like, man, this is getting stuck in my head. And then it's one of those times, I mean, you don't hear a truly unique voice very often. And you definitely have that. And that's something. And, but the cool thing is I haven't heard many people try to emulate that. Uh, you know, like the Daryl Palumbo's and stuff where it's a super, you know, identifiable vocal trait. And then there's 10 other bands that sound just like them or, you know, right. that's one thing you've held on to, I think. And it's, it's really cool to see because I think it's toned down a bit now from the beginning as far as the vibrato, right. yeah. but it's still there. It's still Brock. Like it's, you know, and, and that it, it's a lot deeper and uh, yeah. that was what was cool about time and trauma, just hearing the progression. And I was going to ask you about having such a unique voice. How is it done over time for you as far as, is it harder to sing those older songs now or has your voice just gotten stronger? Oh boy. Uh, man, you know, I don't think I've really struggled 
um, with the older songs, really. The uh, the vibrato thing, it's so weird because um, I think the original thought process on, on trying to form my own sound was that I could I loved Lane Staley's yeah. like slow vibrato at the end of his words, but I couldn't really do that. But mine was faster, so that's how I kind of got into that, you know, trying to mimic my idol. And uh-huh. uh, in turn, it turned into this weird thing. And I'll, I actually have a really funny memory of meeting one of my favorite guitar players at one time, which was Kerry King of Slayer. Oh, sure. And uh, we were on tour with Chimera back in like 2001 or two. Uh-huh. And they were friends with Slayer. They had, they had supported Slayer earlier that year. So we were in some town where Kerry King had come out to visit them. And I ended up meeting him and he, he said, Oh yeah, I caught you guys. You're just, you're the singer with the weird voice. And I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was me. And I always was like, kind of wasn't sure if it was a compliment and it probably wasn't, but I always kind of loved it. So <laughs> I've, I've always in my head, always kept it as a compliment, but uh, kind of a funny story, but yeah, no, the old, the old stuff, I think my voice has gotten stronger. I mean, I quit smoking cigarettes uh years ago and i used to drink and smoke like every night all night and i would really uh, it would show i did not have the legs uh night after night and you know touring you do sometimes do have to play several shows in a row and what i was doing when i was smoking cigarettes a lot it really did not it didn't give me the uh stamina i needed so when i quit doing that um for whatever reason maybe it was mental too but uh, I just ended up be getting, you know, a lot more legs out of my voice and, mm-hmm. um, you kind of, you kind of know, you know, you, you, it's your instrument, you know, so you kind of know what you can and cannot do. And, um, I've never been one of those guys that really warms up. I'm probably the worst person to like take any advice for, for like singing <laughs> and, and, and stamina because I, I, I still love to party and enjoy and, and really enjoy the touring, uh, vibe. So I do still do what I always did minus the cigarettes. Uh, you know, um, I like to have a few drinks before the show, not get drunk. I mean, we used to get blasted before and and it really showed and we never do that anymore. I mean, we're, we're, I wouldn't say we're much more professional now, but we are definitely (laughs) more professional than we used to be. Thank God. And, And there's a reason for that. You know, people pay their hard-earned money and you can't be up there wasted and and just giving them a half-ass effort you know so we make make sure that doesn't happen anymore but uh definitely you know um i'm I'm definitely more in tune to my voice i know that and luckily i've been able to have pretty good stamina i just know what that i'm not in the studio you know you have chance to redo things live is live and i've always you know some things aren't going to be perfect and i never take it to too seriously but if you're having struggles with your voice you definitely gotta you know rest more and and things of that nature so i mean i i think i'm a lot more in tune to my voice these days so Mm -hmm. in turn to answer your question yeah i think it is stronger and i've done a lot more touring as the years get old which is kind of weird the older you get the more touring we do but uh yeah i I feel like it is pretty strong once we get going at least a couple weeks in and I'm, i'm feeling pretty good okay and and you guys are are you guys all back home in alaska now Nope, just me. Just you. I, okay. uh, we moved to Seattle in '96, and then from there we went to Portland. I think by the next year, and mm-hmm. uh, those guys always stayed. And I came home in 2003, so I've been here ever since then. Okay, okay. I was going to ask how touring was being in Alaska and having to fly down and and start from there. But if you got home base down here already, that makes a lot more sense. 
Yeah, those guys are in Portland. We got a little studio there, and uh, you know, I just fly down, and you know, sometimes we have a chance to rehearse a week or so before a tour starts, and sometimes we don't. You know, it just depends yeah. on everybody's schedules. So, I mean, I try to make sure those guys do for sure. You know, they're they're jamming all the time, but uh, I hate to say that I'm like the lead singer that doesn't show up until it's game time, but sometimes I am. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Typical, they would it. totally be they would totally be harping on me right now about it. But uh, <laughs> it's just the way life is, you know. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a father, and I yeah. I have to make all all the right uh, decisions for my daughter when I'm home and, and be here as much as I can. So that's the the main focus, and everybody everybody understands that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. How many guys have kids? You and in, is it you and Steve or no? Just me and bass player Mick. He okay. has he has actually two grown boys. And then he has a daughter, Dahlia, who is, I believe, a year older than my daughter. So she's eight. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And and how much of your how much of your life so far has has your daughter uh, been a part of as far as seeing like what dad does and and the extent of it? Is she is she into it or is she into other uh, stuff? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a big athlete. Like, uh, you know, she played. This is her third year playing hockey and third year of soccer. So she really likes those two. But uh, music has always been a big deal for her. And she went to Germany with us one time. And she went to Australia with us one time. So she has been on stage with me a few times. And so she, she knows what it's all about. And we watch videos sometimes and uh-huh. things of that nature. But we, I am no longer her favorite band, I have been told. So uh, <laughs> we got knocked off the pedestal by the Pretty Reckless. And she loves girl rock bands, which okay. she always has. So she really liked In This Moment and uh-huh. Hailstorm. And, uh, well, she's really a big fan of Pretty Reckless. And I'm not sure if you are sh- uh, familiar with them, but the the singer for the Pretty Reckless, Taylor Momsen, was Cindy Lou Who of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And that was one of her favorite movies. Oh, so when she, she found that out, out, yeah, yeah. So Taylor's older now. Taylor is uh, probably in her early 20s and uh, – has this pretty kick-ass bluesy rock band. She's kind of a Janis Joplin, Stevie Nicks kind of thing, but uh-huh. uh, they're actually very cool. Um, so yeah, that is uh, that's Will. My daughter's name is Will, and uh, she she digs them pretty heavily. That's awesome. <laughs> I was gonna f- figure if she was younger, you know, being almost scared on stage, looking at what Dad does, you know, or where you no. see your dad screaming at people, and and uh, I mean, I could see it going that way, but obviously not because. Yeah, no, I knew she was my daughter when uh, when she was in my truck one time, and she was like, "Dad, I don't want to hear any songs that don't have screaming in it." <laughs> and so there was a there was a time where she was into some pretty heavy stuff, which was pretty fun. But um, yeah, no, I think she's the older she gets, she's uh, you know, we went and saw Trolls last night actually, and there's the uh, there's a couple of Justin Timberlake songs in there, and uh-huh. she also takes dance as well. So they're playing all the kinds of pop stuff as well. So she's she's well versed in all the music. She's a big music head. That's awesome. That's cool. You guys can share that because I mean, if you guys can't, I mean, being especially a single dad, I mean, something to bond over that's stronger than than a lot of things. Especially, yeah. I mean, that's your life right there. I mean, yep. Together, really your it. daughter and music. I mean, as long as they're yeah. molded together, that's that's amazing. And and do you ever bring her to the radio station? Yeah, she's been a couple times, and uh, one of the—I was going to say this—is this just reminded me of something we used to do, like write a song before bed every night, just a little funny thing on my acoustic guitar. And uh-huh. She had written all these cool songs as she was growing up, but 
the coolest thing that I've always loved, she named her own band, which which was my band, except I wasn't allowed to be in it, which was hilarious. <laughs> it was everybody else in my band except for me. And I think I just became like the manager or something. But she named it, and she's the lead singer, and they're called the Twilight Stars. And I always thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got songs like the Crocodile Stomp and like all kinds of funny like animal name jams. It was pretty hilarious. That's awesome, dude. You should do. Yeah. You should take some of those song titles and put them out somewhere to where oh, she can man. see it on a record. Like, totally. What the fuck is this? <laughs> and the Twilight uh, Stars. Holy shit. Yes. Oh man, it would be great. One of these days, I'll be watching her play. I'm sure, and it's gonna be pretty cool. That'll be awesome. And and so you you grew up in Alaska. Were you born in Alaska? Yep, I was born in Anchorage. Okay. See, I was born in Longview, Washington, four months old, moved to Alaska, so I've never been able to say I was born there. But that was, I mean, that's where I grew up. And and so what part did you grow up in? What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. 
and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Uh, Sand Lake area. I was over, okay. I, I went to Sand Lake elementary and then diamond high school and uh, at one time, I think I was like the fourth or third or fourth biggest baby born at Providence. I was a, and my sister was the biggest baby born at Providence for many years. My little sister was 13 pounds. Holy I was shit. 11. And then I think like a 15 pounder knocked her off the old uh, title there. But oh. yeah, big, big babies, poor mom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> but yeah, when my, my mom passed away a few years ago, but she would oh, always uh that's okay. She um she'd always hit me, you know, and be like, You did this to me and <laughs> it was always kind of like our funny little joke, but Yeah. Uh, yeah, Anchorage is home, man. I was born here and uh hope to die here in an old age and uh, I just have a very very deep connection to Alaska in general. And and how much of that bleeds through to to what you do lyrically and musically i mean environment i believe has a huge influence on artistic output and yeah uh, i mean just the the i mean people are listening to this that haven't been to alaska have no idea just the the majesty of of all of it i'm just driving from wasilla to anchorage and the the mountains are just huge and i mean the weather and the desolation a lot of the time yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in the beginning days, like the first couple of albums when we were really trying to get out there and make a name for ourselves, mm-hmm. I think it was really a big part of it. Um, these days, uh, not as much because I think it's not that it's old hat, but there was specific things. Like when I was, you know, I commercial fished a lot of my life with my dad and uh-huh. Inlet, and uh, when the band got going, I wasn't able to do that anymore. And this summer... Um, I did fish on my dad's boat again, and it was the first time in 17 years that I got to do that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a couple songs for the new album out there, and I was so grateful to be able to do that out there because that's what I did growing up. And it was so cool to be uh, much older and, and maybe more in tune to the beauty that is basically your daily office when you're out there in Cook Inlet and mm-hmm. looking at you know uh, Mount Readout right across the bay there and just it's just a beautiful place so i think the last few albums i didn't think about it as much as i was able to this summer which was nice to get that connection again and um yeah there's no question man this place is i mean i i I used to take it for granted but as i got older i I really don't anymore i know i live in god's country you know Uh, yeah it's just it's just one of the most beautiful places and you know the northwest too i mean seattle and portland and Washington, Oregon, just that that whole Northwest area is very similar to here. Um, less mountains, but it's got the same vibe. And I think that's why we all, so many Alaskan musicians included, move to the Northwest, you know, because it is home away from home. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to get too – some people are brave enough to move to New York City and just jump into some massive thing like L.A. or something. But, you know, if you're truly – from small towns, you know, that's a big step. So, and I never really enjoy, I like visiting those places, but I'm not a big city guy. I mean, Anchorage is even too big for me. I'd like to move out to Girdwood. If I get a chance, I'll move South or North really, to be honest. But yeah, you know, like I said, Anchorage, it's not a big city by any means, but it's got a big city, you know, vibrato to it sometimes. And I'd rather be in the woods, I think. Yeah. That's and That's one thing with, with, you guys a style too. I mean, Alaska is, is truly beautiful and, and, but it can fuck you up. Like it's, it, people don't yeah. realize that live down in the States. I mean, some States do, but Alaska, I mean, you're surrounded by things that'll fucking kill you, you know, yeah, at all. Definitely. Times. Definitely. You know, and it's a bit, there's not a tremendous amount of things for young people to do here as far as yeah. nightlife and seeing national touring bands coming through. I mean, it's better now than ever probably, but, you know, so kids get caught up in like, you know, early alcoholism and, and drugs. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure if it's worse than anywhere else, but I know we definitely have a problem with it. I mean, shoot, we have the most rapes in, in per capita in the country. That's awful. Yeah. Incest as well. You know, the there's a lot of terrible things that go on in this state 
outside of the beauty of it that if you're not careful, you're right, man. It can totally mess you up. And uh, and that can happen anywhere, you know. But it, there is an alarming rate of, of you know, teen suicide here and just dark, dark stuff here. So yeah. uh, it all kind of comes into – you know the music too, and uh, I think it's decent. It's, it's it's okay to reflect on those things as long as you can make sure that they're not, uh, you know, destructive in your own lives. I think that's important here to be uh, aware of the dangers here as young people. Yeah, and that's. I mean, is that something that uh, when you guys got out of Alaska and, and you know to and jumped basically into the heavy music scene? I mean. Do you guys were exposed to a lot of things? Did you guys get involved with with? Uh, I mean, you guys drank, but did you guys get involved in drugs or any of that stuff, uh, or did you guys kind of have your heads on straight? And you know, for the most part, I think that uh, dr- our drug of choice was definitely alcohol. You yeah, know, and and, yeah. and it still is. But um, you know, I think we had little flirts with cocaine here and there, and uh, but I don't think any. Like I was really surprised to hear that Anchorage has such a heroin problem. Um, you know, really? it's yeah, and uh, I guess a really bad problem with it. And when I was a kid growing up, man, that I heard of it, but I would never attempt it. And it just seems like the, it's pretty ballsy. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I just recently had a great friend uh, pass away from heroin up here, and uh, it just kind of blew my mind that you know. Um, that it is such a that's kind of what opened my eyes to it actually when my buddy passed away uh-huh. and then i was talking to uh, another mutual friend who's an emt and he was just telling me about the alarming rate of heroin use and ods and all that stuff and i was just like wow man when i was here as a young person i don't i don't remember seeing or even hearing about kids doing it so uh hopefully that gets curbed soon because i know it is a problem here yeah and that's something like when i was there too i never the hard stuff was never I think like, kids were bored. They'd get stoned, they'd drink, go to the bowling right. alley, do whatever. <clears throat> but the yeah. hard shit was never even around. It didn't seem like. I mean, people were dropping acid, I think, was the hardest it got in Colorado right. High School area in Wasilla. And, I mean, even with all the, the other things going on, you know, with where we were and, and the boredom and everything else, I never even heard of – I didn't know anyone that was on heroin or anything right. like that, and and I think it's a lot of it is the painkillers that people are getting hooked on are too expensive. Right, exactly. Yeah, the oxys and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard that same thing. So, yeah, yep. There's a lot of dangers out there, man. Kitties, be careful. Yeah, shit, man. <laughs> start a band. Yeah, but start a band and and not get on drugs from it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, man. I mean, start the band can be dangerous too, but. At the same time, you know, sports and, and for me, I was I was an athlete growing up. Hockey was my life, so yeah. I played hockey my whole life, and you know, it kept me out of trouble. And so did music in some sense, as far as like not doing anything but just being non-constructive. I mean, getting in a band and creating and and with your friends and being able to uh, have opinions and and allow others to have opinions on creation and there's all that's a massive awesome learning process with that mm-hmm. and it, it does keep you out of trouble i mean it can also lead to trouble in this lifestyle this is a difficult lifestyle and the, there's a lot of dark corners for it but like i said i mean uh kids that are that are busy with things that are you know expanding their minds and things like that is a lot better than kids that are just idle yeah Exactly. Exactly. And that, that goes for adults too. Sure. <laughs> Not just kids. Well, you I, think... I, I left my own vices before 
and it's not pretty. <laughs> well, you think all and those I, people in Talkeetna, I mean, how many of those people are up here hiding from something, you know, or oh, yeah, things there's they've always done, that. Or, I mean, you can just go camping out there and <laughs> yeah, never yeah, come you, back. you know, come up to Alaska, you can you can hide. That's our <laughs> should be our slogan. <laughs> Harboring fugitives since yeah, <laughs> since, <laughs> harboring since and inception. creating fugitives since whatever. But yeah, man. that's funny. Well, you so you're you're coming up on your 22nd anniversary. I mean, the band is drinking age. That's a huge feat for one. And then how how has it been these 22 years? I mean, everything you've done musically for the most part has been 36 Crazy Fists. So it's not like oh man, when I was in that band, I'm so embarrassed of that record or, you know, right. you've been, you've had to live. And, and, and Matt Hopper, who I got in touch with you through, I asked him the same question is, is you've always been Matt Hopper. How do you, uh, I mean, is there things you're uh, not ashamed of really, but, but how have you dealt with being that persona for so long and having to own everything, uh, going forward? Um, if that makes sense. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Uh, you know, uh, I've been real lucky to to get to do what I've done. And I think for the most part, I tried to be a, a good person, especially to people that were interested in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think we've always been, as far as like the tours I've been on, you know, we're always the most approachable band. You know, we were usually the smaller band on those bills, but yeah. uh, we've always had that that kind of that vibe where you're going to, there's no reason to charge our fans for a meet and greet. Nothing against bands that do it because that's a great revenue stream now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we, we always felt weird about it. I was at management last, last album cycle. It was like, okay, let's start doing on the headliners. Let's do these VIP packages where they do this meet and greet. And I was just like, nah, because you know why? The reason why is because, I'm in the bar before the show sometimes. Yeah. I'm definitely in it afterwards. So why charge a fan an extra? The only thing, and, I, and I'm like I said, I'm not dissing anybody that does it because it is cool for certain bands to do it. Sure, because they are they are getting to see the band that they love. They're getting a free T-shirt that maybe not everyone else can buy at the merch booth. I get I get the whole thing about it, but for us coming from where we come from. Um, you know, our friends would have kicked our ass if we ever acted like we were better than anybody else growing up. And that's always, that's the way it is in Alaska. You know, there's Mm -hmm. nobody that's bigger than anybody just because they got a little limelight, you know? And I like, I like that attitude. There's no flash. And I have always steered clear from people that are, you know, the whole rock star thing. I mean, I just don't gel with those kind of guys. I'm a normal dude. I wear, you know, Levi's and t-shirts and flannels and a beanie hat every day and it's I've always done that, you know? Yeah. So it's just like well let's let's be honest. I did have some little spiky twists in the nineties. So <laughs> I had some long hair before that. But uh you know what I mean? I'm just kind of a no flash dude and our our band is like that. And I, I think that I've always been able to uh keep that in check. And uh, you know, I'm sure there's people that think I'm a jerk, but um for the most part I, I have a lot of friends and my friends that I've had since I was a kid are still my friends and um I think that I've kind of tried to leave that mark that I'm a pretty approachable person that uh, is at least going to be handshakes first. And, and then you can think about me otherwise afterwards. Sure. Sure. And I mean, and you've been, I mean, you've been Brock from 36 for 22 years now, almost. I mean, does that, yeah. does that, I mean, carry anything with you to where, I mean, do you, do you even think about it anymore or, or is it something that you, you carry with, you know, I, I'm sure you have a good sense of pride with, what you've accomplished, but, um, is yeah, it I used, 
thinking about when you meet people and and uh, in your interactions daily? Oh, I get real shy uh, when somebody's like, "Oh, this is Brock from so and so." Oh, okay. Thirty six. I'm like, ah, you don't have to say that, you know. For whatever <laughs> reason, it's always bothered me. And then people are like, "Oh, it's usually a, a nice thing for someone to if they're interested or whatever." But I, it always kind of like, I wish they wouldn't say that sometimes. Sure. So I, I don't know what that um, that uh, I'm not comfortable with it. I never have been. But I used to be real worried about like, okay, when the band's done, if the band breaks up someday, what, who am I? What do I do? And I used to really think about that a lot. And that was, you know, a good 10 years ago at least or whatever. And now, I mean, if the band had to disband for whatever reasons, uh, you know, I am very proud of what the band has done. Um, the guys in the band are my favorite people on the planet. And we've mm-hmm. been friends for so long that, you know, uh, I don't worry about life beyond it anymore. I don't know what else I would do entirely with music, but I would still hope to continue to play music, not on a touring level, but uh, I would be pretty shocked if I ever went on to another band that was trying to tour like 36 does. Cause it's just a grind. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I don't think about it anymore. Now I'm very comfortable and, and proud of our career, but I, I would easily, you know, relax and, and do something that wasn't so, uh, people are always asking me, Hey, why don't you get in front or, you know, can you do this little, uh, can you speak to these kids or, um, and I've done them, but I'm never comfortable with it. And, uh, they're always like, what you, you get in front of thousands of people and sing. I'm like, dude, that's with the band and electricity. And, you know, there's a different vibe. With, and, Cause I went and talked to a group of seventh graders at uh, golden view middle uh-huh. school about goals uh and i was kind of thinking about getting into um motivational speaking uh-huh and uh boy man i realized pretty quick that i was not really that interested in that uh-huh. <laughs> you got like you know 37th grade eyes on you and uh they're just like waiting for you to say something magnificent i kind of gave my initial story and i was so glad that the teacher opened it up for questions to me because i was like done with my spiel in about 30 seconds and they're like really is that it dude (laughs) who is this guy and it was uh pretty comical actually but yeah so that kind of derailed my uh motivational speaking career pretty quick oh just took some seventh graders that's it (laughs) well you know i love kids and i love i love talking to kids and i love talking about reaching goals and and doing positive things in your life. So I would definitely be interested in doing that. Yeah. But I just, I think I got to get a little more comfortable with the approach. And cause I, I did enjoy, once the questions did get opened up, I loved it. I loved talking with the kids. And I also did it at charter North hospital here, which was a total eye opener because it was a lot of kids from the villages uh-huh. who were telling me just awful things about how they get high, uh, on kitchen supplies. And wow, that was the eye opening experience for me and I, but I loved it and I loved and I think towards the end there was even a couple kids that were like sort of like you know the more metal kids but maybe I wasn't metal enough for them and they uh-huh. kind of were judging judging me and I could tell and then by the end of it we were like talking about you know who knows who we were talking about you know maybe we maybe we found common ground on early bay area thrash or something I don't know but I don't remember specifically, but I remember in the end, these guys were like, okay, this guy's okay. He's not, he's not what I thought or whatever. And, and I love that. So yeah. maybe there's a, there's a career for me at after music and that or something. Cause I would, I would enjoy doing something like that. Sure. And that's something you could do a lot of there in the villages and everything else. And, and, uh, people yeah. bring in to do that. I mean, what was, 
if you can remember, what was like a question you were maybe surprised by or stuck with you that they asked if, if you can remember? You know, it wasn't really questions to me in that one specifically. That one was we were talking about how they uh, – well, they were telling us their experiences with with their friends who had passed away from like, you know, it was like not huffing gas, but like doing some kind of chemicals, you know. So we were talking about what they learned from those things. And there was an actual teacher that was running the whole thing. And I was just basically listening. And then they had questions for me about music, just basically touring. So, um, oh, OK, like some, some of them were really into music. And so and some of them were totally you know, closed off and weren't asking at all. There was maybe six kids out of 30 that even asked me a question at the hospital. So uh, that was interesting. And that was a few years ago. And I don't know if you know Eric Cross. He drums for Del Mag. Yeah, but yeah, I do. He, it was, he's one of my best friends. We've known him each other since six, sixth grade. And he was the teacher there. So oh, okay. um, that's how I got involved in that in the first place. Del Mag, man. That takes me back. <laughs> yeah, they, those guys just played here. at. Uh, we have a new, really cool new uh, venue downtown called the Willowa, uh-huh. and uh, and they just had a show there um, the other night there, and it was killer. Interesting. Okay, I'm glad to see some venues are opening up. I mean, I remember gigs. That was my big thing, and and uh, before yeah. that got torn down. But long gone. Yeah, long gone. those were some good days, man. And the definitely the. I mean, there's um oh, what is that other bar up there that's been doing shows? They. They filmed the stage too. I've I've watched a couple YouTube videos of bands playing there. It's uh, man, I don't remember the name of it. Not not Coots. Not Coots. No, it's another uh, another bar. But they they basically there's a camera on the stage, like filming the stage, and I think they film everyone, and and then you can you know take the video and do what you want with it. But I I don't remember. Oh, weird. That. It could be the Hard Rock downtown now. Maybe. Maybe I I'm not I, sure. I but. actually saw Portugal the Man played the opening ceremony thing there and i went and checked that out oh nice yeah those are my boys they they, did you know uh well i guess we're all from the valley but if you probably met zach and john oh yeah absolutely uh, a couple times probably run into each other everywhere but we uh we all did so for that opening ceremony for hard rock uh zach and john and myself were part of the uh, guitar smashing and they don't cut a ribbon for that uh, hard rock always smashes guitars so oh, we, uh, shit, yeah uh, us three got to do that and that was pretty fun but nice. no yeah i uh i went and saw those guys not too long ago at gleason fest in spokane uh, oh, okay this end of the summer so yeah i keep in touch with zach uh off and on every once in a while and uh you know i say hi to john when i when i see him yeah okay yeah zach was the one i was mentioning my idea for starting the podcast and he's going to be on too and and uh, oh, we were at John's house, and and uh, he's like, I was kind of listing off people I was going to start out with, and he's like, man, these are all Alaska people. You should talk to Brock. And I was like, man, that'd be interesting. We've never actually really talked before, so uh, yeah, that was always on well, my radar. And I mentioned it to Matt Hopper. He's like, oh, I got his number. I'll I'll give it to you. I was like, oh, sweet, okay. Wow, that's great. Yeah, no, I love I love Zach. He's such a sweet guy. Make sure you say hi for me if you do talk to him. And of course, Hop, boy, that's my old buddy, and I'm so happy for him. He's got so much cool stuff happening. Talk about a grinder, man. That guy's been grinding. And uh, yeah. it's re- very, very cool to see that uh, people are picking up his songs and, and you know, m- putting some light on them that maybe he wasn't able to do yet. So I think it shows a whole new path for Matt, and uh, rightfully so. He deserves it. Absolutely. He, we did a, he did a podcast episode with me, too. It went two and a half hours. 
and we <laughs> yeah, went through well, everything. I've had like... some drinking sessions with Matt that go like that, so I can only <laughs> imagine. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Really like him, and uh, he's he's worked hard for what he's gotten. Absolutely, dude. Um, I wanted to I wanted to talk briefly label wise. You guys, so we and we knew a couple Roadrunner bands, and we've heard a lot of things about Roadrunner. You guys started out on on Roadrunner and then went to Carl at Ferret, right? Yeah, well, we went to DRT before Ferret, but DRT, uh, okay. DRT folded like almost the second we went there. Oh, shit. So, uh, so yeah, but they did put out our album. Um, that was kind of a weird year because we got <clears> – we asked to be let go from Roadrunner because yeah. things were just not gelling after the second record with them. But we wanted to stay on Euro- Europe or worldwide Roadrunner, just wanted to get off in the States. Because uh, they had this crazy delayed idea of uh, releasing our album in uh, the rest of the world at a certain time. And then like a year later, releasing it in the States, which is, what? <laughs> yeah, it just seemed crazy. So we were like, nope, we're out of here. We got to go. Uh-huh. So they graciously let us go. And, uh, you know, we loved the people that we worked with at Roadrunner. We, at a t- there was a time where we were fairly bitter because we thought they could have worked harder and maybe not everybody was into the band. And that's a, that's a true statement. I mean, I know there was people that weren't totally hundred percent behind the music. So that happens. And when that does happen, you're not in a good spot. So when we left uh, DRT, we didn't even get to really meet them, but they put the album out immediately. So we were grateful for that. Uh And we, we went there because they had like some great bands. I mean, clutch was on there for a minute when we were on there. Okay. And so, and we were like, Oh, if clutch is on there, it can't be too bad. So, we uh, <clears throat> we stuck around on that until it folded, and then uh, then we went over. And Carl was our old friend. Carl sang on our first record. Uh, yeah. Carl, and, and then we toured with Nora in the very early days as well. So uh, going to Ferret was awesome because we loved a lot of the bands on Ferret, mm-hmm. uh, and it was fun for two albums. And then he sold it to Warner, and basically they did away with. Uh, they did away with Warner. I mean, Ferret. So, uh-huh. um, so then uh, let's see. That was kind of when we went back to Roadrunner worldwide, and then we stayed with Ferret for that. I, you know, to be honest, I can't remember if we were on Ferret when the Warner deal went through, or if we were in between albums and we didn't really need a label at that moment. So that might have been between the collisions and and time and trauma records okay which i think it was which yeah i'm pretty positive that's what happened so um god you know kind of sometimes you become a suitcase and it's hard to remember all this stuff but yeah dude uh then yeah so the the president of roadrunner um became the president of spine farm universal and that's how we found out about spine farm oh and also our marketing guy tim brennan uh-huh. was also was also our marketing guy at ferret so we had these relationships with them um <clears throat> it was uh we were we were thinking we were going to go to nuclear blast because that's where um our old AR guy monty connor went and uh and then the head of roadrunner europe mark palmer was the head of nuclear blast so uh-huh. we were thinking we were going to go there and then spine farm deal came around and it just seemed like they were the hungriest of, of all the, all the labels that we were talking to. We spoke to maybe five or six different ones. And we actually also flirted with not doing a label at all and putting it out ourselves, yeah, just on a digital thing. And, and, but you know, once we really weighed that all in and we got new management, we realized that, uh, you know, if you still want to tour and be invited to all the, the major festivals around the world, you need that, 
you know, because, uh, you know, those labels sponsor those things. Yep. If you don't have that, they might have an upcoming new band that's the new new hot thing, and they're sponsoring the festival. Well, guess who's getting bumped? The exactly. band that doesn't have that. So yeah. <clears throat> we, we decided not to do that, and we really started considering the options. And uh, Spine Farm, they've been amazing. I mean, we did the, probably the most uh, – well, the most U.S. touring for sure and, and the most backing – by any label has been through universal and you know obviously universal is massive they have the deepest pockets but sure uh spine farm has just been killer and um our new a&r guy darren delicio we just love him so much he's just a, such an eager dude and he's just fired up about things all the time and he's actually a lot of fun to be around he's a young guy he's uh i don't know how old darren is darren's probably i'd be shocked if he's over 30 uh, wow I mean, okay so he's he's got a cool job and uh, yeah, he does he, yeah, so he's either late twenties, early thirties, one of those two, and oh. uh, I really, I really do like him, and I think that the Spine Farm people, uh, well, everybody that's there now. I mean, if you look at their roster, I mean, outside of the U.S., they have massive bands. I mean, they have Corn, they got Five Finger, they got Ghost, mm-hmm. they have like a lot of big rock bands. Um, so it's a good place to be, and and I think everybody there is very tuned into what uh, if you need to be in the magazine, they'll get you in it, and blah blah blah. So. Sure. At, at this late late day of our career, we're happy to be in a place like that. That's awesome. Yeah, you need a you need a home out there, you know, especially uh, with what you guys are doing, like you said, with those festivals and everything. Because I mean, a lot of bands are self releasing now, but a lot of bands aren't doing you know huge festival circuits and things like that. Um, yeah, they're self releasing and or not doing a lot of print ads or print ads at all. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, that's. If you try to do all that stuff on your own, just look into it. I mean, it's a your brain will shut off immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. no, maybe not. I don't know what we're doing. That's why labels have all those departments, you know, for people that are so versed in that stuff. And yeah, we're happy to be at Spine Farm. That being said, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Brock, do you have <clears throat> uh, do you guys have any tours lined up for 2017 yet? Or are you guys just focusing on the record at this point? Yeah, no, that's all getting. That's all being, you know, kind of prepared right now. Uh, Where our album will come out um, right around next summer, which will be the start of the European festivals in June, uh-huh. and that's probably where we will kick off our cycle. And that's so that's all getting nailed down just recently, the last few weeks. Once everybody kind of uh, figured out the timelines of everything, so yeah, we won't nothing yet. But I mean, like I said, we went to South America. Uh, a couple weeks ago, which was awesome. Brazil for our first time. The people were just incredible there. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing until uh, summer probably. So finish okay. the album and then get the artwork rolling and all that stuff and photo shoots and videos and all the stuff that happens every cycle. You know, Put it in the machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put it on tumble dry and get yeah, it going. Exactly. Throw in a cinder block and a dryer and let it roll. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, awesome, Brock. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on the show, man, and and uh, and and being being into it, and and uh, you know, I had a great time chat with you and and uh, catching up on on old times, even though we're, they were separate. <laughs> yeah, no, likewise, man. I, I enjoyed talking music with you. is uh, is fun, man. I, I wish you the best, and I appreciate you asking for me to come on. Awesome, thanks, Brock. All right, well, there you have it, guys. That's my interview with Brock Lindau from Thirty Six Crazy Fists. Had a great time chatting with Brock. Uh, good to reconnect and uh, bring you guys some good content. So uh, we did talk a lot about uh, Stephanie Plate uh, guesting on the album and uh, the song Marrow. So right now I'm going to play that song for you. Um, we're going to listen to Marrow off Time and Trauma.
All right, guys. Thanks for sticking around with me to the end of the episode. Uh, we had a great time this week. Uh, all month of December, uh, we're going to have Alaskans on the show. Uh, we started out with John Gorley. Uh, we had Brock from 36 Crazy Fists, and we got a few more for you coming up to round out the end of the year. So please stay tuned. We are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're also on jabberjawmedia.com. And uh, if you want to listen to us there, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.